It's time now for Money Matters with the Lewis family, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based family-owned financial planning firm providing investment and financial planning advice since 1983. Doug and Deborah are certified financial planners, CFPs, who can answer any of your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now at 919-860-9783 with your financial planning questions. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA Inc. Investment advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. And we are the Lewis family, ready to answer your questions tonight. This is Linda Lewis, and thank you for joining us on Money Matters on News Radio 680 WPTF. And I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we're here to answer your questions for the next hour. So, Doug, Linda, you know, now is a good time to think about refreshing your retirement strategy. Fewer than half of all investors have tried to calculate how much they'll need in retirement. However, those who have taken the time to do so are more confident about their prospects. Yeah. I would say if you're currently investing in your employer's retirement plan, then you recognize the value of putting money aside for your future. And that's a great start. But are you investing enough? Do you know how much you're going to need? That's a different set of questions. And you need to set specific retirement goals. How would you like your retirement to look like? The answer will impact how much you need to invest. By setting specific goals, you'll have a better idea of what it will take to retire in the way that you'd like. And then you'll be able to move forward more confidently. Yeah, this means knowing what it's going to cost, knowing what your living expenses are so that you'll know how much you'll need to be accumulated to pay for those living expenses. In other words, not only do you need investment planning, you need cash flow planning advice. One of the things that we at Lewis Financial Management are very strong in cash flow planning advice. So call us at Lewis Financial Management this week. As a matter of fact, we'll have a face-to-face meeting with you if you call our offices, 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. You know, you need to consider increasing contributions to both retirement plans and your personal investing. How How do your estimated withdrawals compare with your desired income in retirement? If it's less, don't be discouraged. You can set short-term investment goals to close the gap over time. Gradually, increasing your investing can make it easier to pursue your long-term retirement goals. Yeah, and you not only do you need to look at it from that view, but you also need to look at your investment allocations. So in addition to how much you're saving, it's a good idea to review your investment allocations at least a couple of times a year. At Lewis Financial Management, all of our clients are have them reviewed quarterly. And then you have to ask questions. Are your investments aligned with your retirement goals? If not, you may need to adjust your investment mix. Isn't that a, that's a very uh, important issue with regard to people's investing and portfolios, isn't it? Because a lot of folks um, may have taken the time initially to do an allocation, but because people are busy, they don't always revisit. You know, Linda, you're very right, because I remember, I think it was last week, we had a client that had come to see us, oh, I think it was three, four years ago. That's right. And we did an investment asset allocation. We got their investment set up and everything. But for whatever reason, they didn't come back until a couple of weeks ago. And when I looked at their investment allocation, they were in a high-yield bond fund, which at the time was perfect for them. Right. But if they had been coming back on a regular basis, I would have had them out of that fund long ago. And you're exactly right. You need to continue to look at your asset allocations because things that were right yesterday may be wrong tomorrow. Very good. And once you're happy with your investment strategy, you may want to make sure that your original allocations remain the same. So it's important to consider rebalancing your portfolio when your fund allocations have changed more than 5 to 10%. 
Rebalancing helps keep your mix of investments on track toward meeting your financial goals. And you know, the most important part is going to be you need to meet with a CFP. Planning for retirement can feel overwhelming at times. Many don't feel comfortable or don't have the time to put together their own investment mix. Fortunately, you don't have to do this alone. We are both CFPs. My father and I are both certified financial planners. So call Doug Lewis or Deborah Lewis at Lewis Financial Management. We can evaluate your personal situation objectively and help you set realistic financial goals. We can assess your progress periodically or fine-tune your investment mix over time as you get closer to your goal. For a consultation with Doug or Deborah Lewis, call Lewis Financial Management at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Well, Doug, um, there are some folks out there that have called and that have had um, comments about why or why not annuities as part of sound financial planning. What do you think about that? An annuity is not an investment, first of all. So when we talk about an investment portfolio, an annuity has no place in an asset allocation of an investment portfolio. An annuity legally is an insurance contract. And if you think about it, when you have insurance on your automobile, it's an insurance contract, and you hope that you lose that money. The money you pay the insurance company, you really hope that you lose. You don't want to have a car accident and say, gee, I won, they paid me a lot of money. So that's an insurance contract. Insurance contracts are what we call risk transfer, and they're designed to make money for the insurance company. So we don't want an annuity. An annuity is not an investment. An annuity is an insurance contract designed to make money for insurance companies. Now, when we understand that, we can come to some other places where there might be a specific risk where you'd want to cover just that very risk by what's called an immediate annuity. But that's very rare. Though I, I haven't had many of those in the years that we've met with people. I mean, the the transfer of that risk that you might outlive your money can be thwarted in so many other ways that sometimes the confusion is spoken as if it's a fact. Oh, an annuity is an investment. Well, an annuity isn't an investment. That's right. That, That makes me so upset when I hear on the radio and on television now people talking about annuities as investments. They're not investments. Right. They're a wrapper. That may or may not hold investment products inside of it. But they're insurance wrappers. And they are insurance contracts. And you that, have a relationship with an insurance company. That's exactly what they are. They're, they're insurance contracts. That annuity contract that you get when you buy the annuity, you look at it and you'll see all the way through. It's an insurance product. So if that's your question tonight... In regard to annuities, whether or not they fit into your world, give us a call during the week at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Well, Linda, Doug, it looks like we have another caller. Lucy, you're on the line with Doug and Linda and Deborah Lewis. How can we help you? Hi. um, So this is my first time being employed on my own without my parents and, you know, to help me along. Okay. Um, Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, And I'm a college student, so I got a job working online. Um, And they report all of my earnings, but they don't withhold anything for taxes. And I was wondering how I might handle that, because I don't want to be, like, bad and not pay taxes or something like that. Well, them not withholding doesn't mean that you're not paying. That just means you'll pay when you get your bill, so to speak, at the end of the year. So that's actually kind of a good thing because you're probably not in an income level to where there's going to be much of a tax bill. How much is she earning? I made um, I made 5000 this year, and I started working in February. Okay. I think... This past year. Okay. And, you're gonna, and what do you expect this year? I expect roughly the same this year. Okay. Well, you will get, as Deborah said, you will get a 1099 from your 
employer for last year's wages. And so that can that at that That's point you, in time, yeah. then you'll then you'll know how much you owe. Now they have to give it to you by the end of January, and then you will have up until the fifteenth of April to come up with that amount. Maybe but, no taxes. But, but that's, that's where I'm really, I was thinking, you might actually not have any taxes due. When you fill out your tax return, it might be that, that you won't have any. But, um. Why is that? Because you might have had a low enough income. Everybody, everybody doesn't pay taxes in the United States. Only people who are above a certain income level have to pay taxes. I see, and I'm definitely below that, I'm sure. Uh, the nice thing though about where you're at is, you may qualify to put that into an IRA. You can, the, you, the thing you were just talking about. With that's your, correct. That's exactly right. That's an IRA yeah. uh, for a person 22 years old becomes an incredibly powerful place to park money tax-free until you are either 60 or 70 years old. It can grow and never be taxed until you're... Se- Exponentially. Actually, I mean, you yeah. can have a huge oh, wow. power. And they limit you, though, to either, I think it's $5,000 or your 100% of your income Whichever is the lesser, I think. That's right. Yeah, she might be. Wow, that'd be really great. That would be great. That yes. sounds neat. Yes. <laughs> um, well, do you know if you will, if you have any questions? Where, um, where she go to school? Where do you, um, East Carolina University. Go oh, Pirates! Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, go ahead. When you say one hundred percent of my income, does that mean like everything I have? To everything I earn, I have to apply to the IRA? You don't have to do anything. It's a privilege. In other words, In other words, if you want to somehow start accumulating for the future, then you're looking for a place you can put money that isn't taxed as time goes on. I see. So let's say you wanted to buy a mutual fund. You could on your own take your $5,000 and buy a mutual fund on your own. But then every year you'll pay tax on the dividends that it earns or on the capital gains. If you could get that $5,000 into an IRA, then you will not pay taxes until you are 70 years old. So oh, it, wow. Yeah. So that means money growing on top of money in a tax-free environment. And and so basically, you have two portfolios. You have a personal portfolio, but what we're talking about is a retirement or a a qualified portfolio. That would make me a very happy. That's right. That's right. I think well, your if you'd like, yeah, happy. very proud of you. <laughs> well, if you'd like to call the office, um, our number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. And I'd be more than happy to answer any questions, you know, as you, uh, keep on going through college and this job. Congratulations. Thank you very much. You're That's welcome. Very helpful. All, All right. right. Have a good night. You too. Thank you for calling, Lucy. And, uh, to any of our listeners out there, you're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF. Well, Doug, Deborah, what else is new for the folks are cons- that are considering retiring? Well, if you are considering retiring, now what? Do you have enough money saved to retire comfortably? Which discounts should you tap into first? And what should you do with your investments after you retire? This was all in an article by Matthew Frankel. I thought it was really interesting. I would say the first thing you'll need to do is work with a certified financial planner to answer these and other questions. If you've been responsibly saving for your retirement over the years, when congratulations. However, while successfully building this nest egg is quite an accomplishment, remember that what you do after you retire can be just as crucial to your long-term financial health as what you did to prepare for your retirement. In other words, after you retire, you need to have a plan. Yeah, if you're getting close to retirement, now is a good time to evaluate your situation and figure out how much income you'll need after retirement. Start coming up with a post-retirement budget in order to get a more accurate idea of your income needs. So do some number crunching and see how much you'll need. Begin with what you currently spend. Know your living expenses. These can be things you pay on a monthly basis or a non-monthly basis. Yeah, And now is also a good time to go to the Social Security Administration's website and estimate how much income you can expect to receive from Social Security. You then subtract this amount 
from your estimated income need, along with any income you'll have from a pension or other sources, and you'll now have an estimate of how much income will need to come from your investments, your 401ks, your IRAs, and your personal investment portfolio. Now you'll need to know what size of investment portfolio can produce that income. When when we meet with you, we can help you do that. You're listening to Money Matters with Lewis's at Lewis Financial Management on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call us to schedule an appointment at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. One common mistake that retirees and pre-retirees make is getting far too conservative with their investments. Specifically, many people aim to reduce risk by moving out of stocks and into bond investments. Now, while it's true that bonds produce a steady, predictable stream of income, there are a few problems with this approach. First of all, investing all your money in bonds virtually guarantees that your portfolio won't keep up with inflation. If you have a million-dollar portfolio and invest it all in 30-year treasuries, well, in 30 years, your investments will be worth $1 million. So your income needs will rise as your cost of living gets more expensive but your income will stay the same. So you won't have any more assets with which to generate additional income. You know, this is what I call going broke safely. The need gets higher and higher, and the amount that you've got to cover that need stays the same because you think you're safe, and you just eventually have to start reducing your lifestyle. Now, secondly, bond prices can fall dramatically as interest rates rise. And the long-dated bonds that pay the highest interest, they get clobbered the most. The value of a bond is based on the interest rate it pays. That's called the coupon rate. And that's relative to the prevailing market rates. Now, I realize that retirees generally don't plan to sell bonds anytime soon. But if you get in a bind and you need to free up some cash, bonds are the last place you want all of your money to be. I remember we had one uh, listener that came and, oh my gosh, he had... All of his eggs in one basket, all in muni bonds. <laughs> That's right. It was several million dollars of muni bonds. That was just a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I think he's probably lost a lot of money. That's in true. This That's market. so sad because people don't understand. They think things are safe when they're not safe. Sometimes the safest things are the riskiest, and they have no idea until after it's happened. Now, you'll need to use some strategy with your withdrawals. When you meet with us, we will develop a customized plan. Many retirees have several different account types, such as 401ks, IRAs, whether it be traditional or Roth, and regular brokerage or savings accounts. And the order you tap into those once you do decide to retire can make a big difference. Now, coming up with a financial plan for your retired life is a great first step, but it's important to reevaluate things every so, ever so often. In other words, the best thing you can incorporate into your retirement planning is adaptability. Life happens, so it's best to be prepared to adjust your strategy accordingly. Having someone there through it all is what's best. So give us a call. Call us. Call me. Call Deborah Lewis at Lewis Financial Management. Our number during the week is 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Well, Doug, um, you know, financial planning is very important at any stage of life. And, you know, once folks graduate from college or graduate from high school and look for their first jobs, then they start uh, spending because they've got to pay for rent or pay for a mortgage or pay for, you know, pay down their college debt, et cetera, et cetera. But at various stages, financial planning is so important because, number one, you can create your financial future. And number two, you can set realistic goals that will help you at these various stages of your life. And number three, you can put them into action with the help of a certified financial planner that can help you sort out what are your goals, 
what are your objectives and what are your needs at these various stages of life. Have you seen the Lewis Financial Management website? It's easy to get to, DougAndLinda.com. That's DougAndLinda.com. Well, Doug, um, there are 10 wise financial planning moves for millennials. Yeah, we never saw a millennial. Well, they weren't called millennials back when we opened up our radio show in 19... Nineteen ninety. Uh, most of our listeners and most of the folks that came to us for financial planning in those days uh, were much older. They were in their forties and fifties, pre-retirement, and so forth. Uh, but now we're seeing uh, this group of twenty-year-olds and thirty-year-olds, and there are things, and I'm really happy that they that they have something that nobody else has on their side. They've got time. The beginning, the first thing to do. For a millennial, is get a handle on your income and your expenses. That's the first thing, of course. Uh, and once you've gotten those, and of course, we help you with that. That's what we do. We go through uh, just that. We go through the very um, uh, move of getting a handle on your income and your expenses. And then the second thing is to get goals, to set the goals uh, and start saving toward them whether it's funding uh, for a car, a vacation, a home, a grad school education. That's the second thing. Uh, you don't want to go blind. You don't want to just uh, be going at it blind and, and not knowing what's happening to your income as you're earning it, which means the third thing is you need to be a well-educated investor. And you need to work with a certified financial planner who will teach you. And not just sell you a product. History tells us that one of the best ways to grow your money and increase your net worth is by building a diversified investment portfolio of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, etc. And the earlier you start, the more time your money has to grow. So yeah, that, yeah, you're right, Linda. That matter of working with a certified financial planner who will teach you, who will spend time educating you, so that you are an informed investor, then time can do its job of helping you accumulate to become what we call a middle class millionaire. You can get advice right now by calling 919-860-9783. That number again, 919-860-9783 to talk to Doug Lewis, certified financial planner with Lewis Financial Management. Now, the fourth wise financial planning move is to put money in your emergency fund. So you want to keep three to six months worth of expenses in a money market account or savings account to cover those unexpected uh, expenses and maintain financial flexibility, whether it's to pay a medical expense, to fill the void if you've lost a job, maternity leave, or to fund a move across country. That's number four. Number five would be try to take some steps to reduce debt. Student loans, car loans, credit card balances. Uh, your, your debt can quickly become problematic, resulting in a lower credit score, which reduces borrowing power, mounting interest, and it, it cascades. So at least commit to having a plan on how to pay down debt. And number six Be shrewd about which credit cards you use. Um, And while it's wise to minimize the debt that you are going to incur, credit cards can work for you by supplying additional purchasing power along with the perks such as rewards or reward points or miles towards travel. Now, number seven is it's important to investigate life insurance. How much life insurance do you need? Yeah, we're back to the question of life insurance. First of all, what we talked about before about uh, the LERPs, the life insurance retirement plans, that's what they call cash value life insurance or whole life insurance, where you're actually giving the insurance company much more money than you need to so that as you get older and older, they'll use part of that excess to pay your true insurance cost. I don't like that at all. I think you should buy the cheapest insurance you can, which is term insurance, and then only have it to cover 
what your need is until you are financially independent and able to self-insure yourself. So let's say that you're a young married couple in your uh, late 20s, early 30s. Uh, you're working. Your wife uh, is working. You've got a young child and everything. Okay. We need to work the numbers to see when you will be able to no longer need insurance. And then we'll get a term policy, maybe a 10-year or a 20-year, or now you can even get a 25-year level term policies, which are much, much cheaper. And then... Uh, But the bottom line principle is, yes, get insurance, quantify how much you need with the help of someone like myself, a certified financial planner, and make it term insurance. Now, the eighth wise financial planning move for millennials is start saving for retirement. As distant as retirement may seem, setting aside even a small amount each month in some kind of, of retirement savings vehicle, be it your Employers 401k, a traditional uh, IRA or a Roth IRA, or a pension, it can make a huge difference in your ability to retire on your own terms and to live comfortably once you do. So, the earlier you start saving for retirement, the better chance you'll have to call your own shots financially later in life. Yeah, and of course, always keep focused on education. Get yourself educated. Understand everything about financial planning. A little research goes a long ways. And that's what our clients have told us through all these years. They always say, boy, I just feel like I've learned so much during this session. I just feel like I'm getting educated every time I meet. I feel like I'm back in college again. Well, that's the joy we have of educating and sharing our knowledge with you so that you can achieve your financial independence. And the tenth wise decision is get a financial plan. Work with a certified financial planner that can insist you for a minimal investment of your time and your money. It's worth finding a certified financial planner to answer your financial questions, to provide a formal financial plan to get you where you want to go in life. A certified financial planner professional is a person who is trained specifically to look out for your best financial interests and to offer recommendations based on an analysis of your personal financial situation. So, thank you for joining us on Money Matters and call us at Lewis Financial Management during the week at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. We haven't mentioned our website tonight. That is Doug and Linda. DougandLinda.com. We have videos of ourselves and uh, audios, so go to our website. One of the questions that I know people ask you a lot when they come to see you is, what about target date funds? Are target date funds, are they right for me because they're in my 401k? You know, you're right. This comes up frequently. And, you know, if there's anything, I'd say there's no, there's, there's so few reasons target date funds, um, are, are right for anyone. And a matter of fact, I'd say they're not right for anyone. And you must be thinking, well, <laughs> they've got to be right for someone. The answer is they're not right for anyone because they try to fit everyone during many years, some as many as 40 years. Yeah, assets in target date funds have swelled to more than $880 billion in 2016, according to Morningstar. And that's a number that's high enough to scare me. So why am I so much against target date funds? I would say three main reasons. And the first reason is bonds are not a sure thing for retirees. The first problem with target date funds is they're trying to predict the future by saying when you retire, it's a good idea to have most of your assets in bonds and not stocks. Well, we're currently at the end of a long bull market in bonds. And if your target date is close, your performance is going to suffer as bonds decline and interest rates rise 
just when retirement is around the corner and your account is then going to take a big hit. Target-date funds are meant to become more conservative as you get closer to retirement because bonds are supposed to be less risky than stocks. While that's often true, any advisor with 30 years of experience would know this has not always been the case. Based on history, interest rates go up and down and the cycle may be long sometimes, but nothing stays the same forever. So yeah. That, yeah, so that's the first reason that I don't think target date funds are right for anybody. The second thing is that there are multiple, multiple fees inside these target date funds. The management of these fees, of these funds rather, and their fees can be outrageous. So I really, when I've looked at them, I really have a problem with that. You know, another reason target date funds aren't right for for um, most people is they do an educational disservice to investors. Finally, the product's oversimplification can result in a lack of education for investors about risk tolerance. Understanding your capacity for risk is important, and it comes through good investment education. A broker may ask you what your tolerance for risk is. If you don't understand how stocks work, and fear the unknown, you tell the broker you have a low tolerance despite being only 45 years old. Then you get steered toward low-risk, low-reward investments, which may not be the best for someone with plenty of time until retirement. And we've seen this in our office. That's right. And you know, se- people coming in with the wrong advice. That's right. And 70-year-olds should not have the same amount of their investments in stocks as 45-year-olds they should have more money in shorter term investments, maybe CDs and money markets, which are available on short term notice for medical emergencies and other short term needs. But this doesn't mean they should have nothing in stocks or even they shouldn't have just a very small amount because today, 70 year olds have a very good chance of living well into their 90s. In the U.S., there are about 72,000 centenarians. And that number is expected to more than double in the next four years. So even at 70, one could easily have another 15 to 30 years to live. You know, life changes as time passes. It's the same with your retirement plans. If you want to have a good retirement, you need to spend the time necessary to understand your portfolio. Call me, Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner at Lewis Financial Management. And let's talk about your investments. And if they contain target dates, we'll discuss why they are or are not appropriate for you. You're listening to Money Matters with the Lewises of Lewis Financial Management in Midtown Raleigh. Call us with your questions, and we'd love to set an appointment with you. We can review your personal financial planning. That number to call is 919-8727000. That's 919-USA-7000. And visit our website at Doug and Linda. Hi, Brenda. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you? Uh, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, last year, I was uh, I lost my job, and I took Aww. money out of my 401k, mm-hmm. and I rolled the rest of it over that was left in the, in the 401 that I had from the previous job. Mm-hmm. Well, How much was that that you rolled over, Brenda? Uh, it should have been like 25000 Okay. Well, I got a statement from the financial. Uh, it's Fidelity, actually. Uh-huh. I got a statement in the mail for my tax for tax purposes. Yeah. And I've got two of them: one for the amount that I took out, right, and one for the original amount. And it looks to me like they're saying that I took it all out personally, and I don't understand it. Unfortunately, I'm not looking at the statement that you're looking at to explain it to you, uh, okay. but uh, you're absolutely right. You, you say you did the rollover, correct? Yes, I did. And the you rollover. rolled over twenty five thousand dollars, correct? No, I rolled over. It was like forty seven thousand. Oh, you rolled forty seven thousand over. Right. All right. What was the twenty five thousand you mentioned to Linda? Well, I, I'm sorry. I took twenty three out. All right, let's start all over again. I don't care what you took out. What did you roll over to the IRA? 47. Okay. And then in addition to that, before you took it, before you did the rollover, you took out 25,000? I took it out after I rolled it over. Oh, you took it out from the IRA? Yes. Okay, so you rolled the whole 47,000 over to an IRA, 
and then you took out twenty five thousand, twenty three thousand afterwards. So now left in your IRA is twenty four thousand. Is that right? It, yes. Okay. Um, I I'd have to look at the statement to see what it is you're looking at. So you're going to have to pay tax on that twenty five or twenty three thousand. Yes, for sure. Right. That I you've got to pay tax on. And are you are you over or under fifty nine? I'm fifty eight. All right. So you'll also pay. So you're going to pay that. North Carolina tax, I, uh, federal tax, plus a 10% penalty tax. Right. Right. So that's probably going to be about half of the 25. You'll probably have about $12,000 in taxes on that. The balance. Who's the custodian of the of the rollover IRA? You said Fidelity? Fidelity. Yeah. Well, you better go and give them a call and ask them for a little help in reading the statement because you're now in, it's now in an IRA. So obviously uh, you may be looking at a statement where they simply reported to the Internal Revenue Service what happened. And you may have nothing to fear, but uh, you'll only know who does your taxes. Do you do them yourself? No, uh, H&R Block. Okay. Well, when you go to H&R Block, then you take the statements with you, and they'll tell you whether you're reading them right or not. Okay. But you're exactly right. You don't pay tax on the amount that rolled over that stayed in there. You do pay tax on what came out of the IRA. Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that I knew that I was going to pay tax on that. They explained all of that. I just didn't understand what the other statement for the full amount. It is probably a statement that they report to the IRS how much was rolled over because they are required, the 401k custodian is required to report to the IRS how much was rolled over and send you a copy. But that may be what you're looking at. Okay. All right, Brenda, thank you for calling. Thank you. All right. And to our listeners, don't forget our website, DougAndLinda.com. DougAndLinda.com. And Brenda, if you you know have further questions, you can call the office in Raleigh, uh, and we'll be happy to uh, address any other questions that you have at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Well, one of the big topics of discussion that either comes up when I'm talking to people on the phone or meeting with them in our office is retirement planning for women. Now, when we talk about it in a general sense, we all kind of know that retirement moves for women are going to be a lot more complicated if they are singled out as um, as opposed to men. In retirement, women must do more with less usually. Thanks to a longer life expectancy, the average woman is facing bigger retirement expenses than the average man. And she'll have to cover them with a substantially smaller nest egg and social security benefits. Now, women are often told to save more and be less risk averse in their investments. Yet what studies show and what I know and what other people who have come in and are talking about their own experience, if they are a woman meeting with me alone, they'll say, well, We're more diligent savers than men, and they, you know, women tend to choose and achieve better returns while taking on less risky portfolios. A lot of this has nothing to really do with gender other than there's a huge concern because women, if they aren't meeting with a planner, if they aren't hiring, if they aren't concerned about their own financial independence, then they will develop a fear that they will be a bag lady, that, that eventually they'll outlive their money. So we have to address these issues. Women can reduce the risk of outliving their assets by maximizing their Social Security benefits. They can plan ahead for career breaks, minimizing the financial fallout many women suffer when they take time away from work to care for loved ones. And many could benefit from finding an advisor who understands their unique challenges. If you don't have a certified financial planner to work with, if you haven't met with a certified financial planner, call me, Deborah Lewis, at Lewis Financial Management, 919-872-7000. It might be the most important call that you make this year, 919-872-7000. These challenges that women face can be especially daunting for older women. The average Social Security benefit for women 65 and older is less than $14,000 per year, compared with $18,000 for men, and women are less likely than men to have guaranteed income from a defined benefit pension plan. 
Women 65 and older are 80% more likely than men to be living in poverty. That's according to the National Institute on Retirement Security. So yes, you need to find a trusted advisor. Many women have or have no advisor at all. Only one out of five women feels this survey quoted, that the financial services industry really understands her needs. And among some of those polled concerns were that advisors cost too much or use too much jargon, and it's not always clear that they're looking out for the client's best interest. So if these are some of the fears that you've been having or holding on to or wondering who to meet with so that uh, you wouldn't be bombarded with business or finance jargon and walk away not feeling like you learned anything new about how to control your own finances, call me at Lewis Financial Management. Much of what we often talk to in regard to women and financial planning is is that you need a way to tame these risks. And a big way to tame these risks is to calculate the gap between your basic living expenses and your guaranteed sources of income, including Social Security and pensions. Once you have a financial plan with real projected results and goals to be attained, this will help you feel secure that you will work that you won't outlive your money, uh, that all of your hard work, putting in, saving, taking care of your family, that at the end that you'll be able to support yourself. So while there's a lot of information out there geared towards women alone, I would add to the, the study that most of the couples who come into our office and have worked with us for years or decades also verbalize that what he usually wants to be sure of is that when he passes away, that she's not alone, that she has someone that has worked with the family, with them, over many years, so that financial planning is something that continues and isn't something she has to learn when he passes away. And it's not something she has to be afraid of. When things are in order, we all feel a little bit better. Have you seen the Lewis Financial Management website? It's easy to get to DougAndLinda.com. That's DougAndLinda.com. Well, there are a lot of questions that get written in. Here are a few. What are the RMD rules for Roth 401ks? The writer says, I turned 70 and a half this year and was just told that I must take a distribution from the Roth 401k I have with my former employer. I thought Roth accounts were not saddled with RMDs. What's going on? Well, while the original owner of a Roth IRA is never required to take distributions, the required minimum distribution rules do apply to Roth 401k accounts. Basically, that means withdrawals based on IRS life expectancy tables must begin in the year you reach age 70 and a half. This is true even though, in most cases, the payouts will be tax-free. That's if fewer than four calendar years have passed since the year you made your first contribution to the Roth 401k, though. Part of the payout will be taxed as non-qualified earnings. And you must pay a distribution for this year based on the balance of the account at the end of 2015. So yes, when dealing with a Roth 401k... You do need to make a required minimum distribution. And if you need advice, call me during the week, 919-872-7000, 919-872-7000, and we'll talk about your Roth 401k. Bill, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you this evening? Yes, sir. I have a question regarding charitable trust. Yes, sir. Can you transfer annuity into a charitable trust? Uh, no, an annuity, uh, you, you wouldn't transfer it into it. I mean, well, all right, let me back up for a second. Has the annuity been annuitized? Uh, yes, it's a 10-year. All right, once you've annuitized it, then you cannot transfer it into a charitable trust. However, uh, if an annuity has not been, tran- has not been uh, annuitized, then it is possible to go ahead and do so uh, it's not the best move. Many a time, we use the, what's called the NIMCRUT as a strategy, 
where we use the net income with a makeup provision. And in the old days, when we did these back in the 80s and the 90s, we would actually use annuities inside of charitable trust. Right now, they're not that uh, that popular. Tell me a little bit about yourself, um, Bill. How old are you? 80. 80 years old. And tell me, are you married or a single? No, I am married. My wife is 76. All right. Tell me about your, uh, are you, uh, of course, you're both retired, right? Yes, sir. All right. What do your assets look like? What uh, what, what investments do you have that are not in, in retirement plans? Oh, about half a million. And what is it? what are they invested in? Well, we have annuity and some stocks. Uh, stocks. All right. Now, the individual stocks, do they have much gains to them? Uh, reasonable, so. All right. Do you have any uh, retirement uh, investments in IRAs or uh, 401ks or any retirement plans? No. All right. Do you have any uh, any land or appreciated uh, uh, properties? Well, we have a house. No, not your residence. About half a million. No, uh, no not, the house would not be a, a something you would consider. Uh, how about children? Do you have children that you're uh, interested in leaving your estate to? Yes, we have three children and six grandkids. One of the things, now on the annuity, how much is the annuity worth, do you think? Uh, 300000 And when you say it's already annuitized, what, what exactly are you, you're already, you've, do you understand the difference between annuitizing and taking withdrawals? But what, what does that mean, annuitized? An annuit, when you annuitize an annuity, you are, you're making an irreversible move that you can never change that says, I'm going to get a check for the rest of my life, and when I die, the insurance company keeps everything. No, we have it for 10 years. When you say we have it for 10 years, uh, help me understand what you mean when you say you have it for 10 years. Well, we sign it for 10 years. And then at the end of 10 years, the insurance company keeps everything? No, no. No, we, we get everything back. Okay, then you, it doesn't sound to me like you have annuitized. By the way, Jim, uh, Bill, write down my office number, 919-872-7000. Okay. And uh, I think it might be wise for you to come in for a consultation, you and your wife. Uh, if you have not annuitized, then there's some very wise moves you can make uh, that you should be making. And you, your portfolio, we don't like annuities usually uh, yeah. be, because they are so often, there's so many fees inside that are going to the insurance company that you can achieve your objectives in a much better way. On the other hand, I'd be very happy to look at your annuity and to tell you what options you can take. The best news is if you have not annuitized. Uh, that three hundred yeah, thousand. By just making a withdrawal, it doesn't sound like Bill that you have actually annuitized. And when you add to that the feature that you'll be able to get it back, that might be very uh, hopeful or positive that we could do some real planning around that. Well, what sources of income do you have, Bill? Well, Social Security, I, I have pension, couple of pension. My wife gets couple of pension. Mm-hmm. Uh. And uh, we get it some from the annuity every month. Mm-hmm. And he's over seventy and, and a half, social so he must security. be taking an RMD and from the annuity. Security. And yeah. you get social security as well. Yeah. Well, our income is around seventy thousand a year now. Okay. And do you know it's what your expenses are? Fifty percent of what we used to make. Yeah. So about how much are your expenses on an annual basis now? maybe 40 40,000 and then on top of that is taxes so uh, it sounds like you could use financial planning it really does we might be able to um to show you some things that you can do that you have not considered but okay sir (laughs) but the annuity itself the reason that you give something to a charitable trust is because you're looking for a way to sell it and not pay the tax on the gain. Yes, yes. And uh, and the one big drawback would be you disinherit children. Right. What so, goes into a charitable trust cannot go out to the children. Oh, they cannot. Never. No. There are actually, yeah, there are actually six players to a charitable trust. There is the donor. That's the person who sets up the trust and gives what he wants to give into the trust. 
And then the second person is the trustee. Yes. Now, we like to have you as your own trustee. Yes. The third person is the income beneficiary who receives the income from the charitable trust. Which would be us. Yes. That's right. Yes. But the fourth party is the charity. Yes. The charity gets everything that's left in that charitable trust at now, the time. What would be the maximum that we could get from the charitable trust? There is a formula that I have to use inside my office with software, but there is what's the minimum that you can take from a charitable trust is 5%. The maximum is 50%. And there's a formula that sets it. And once you have set it, it can never be changed. Uh, uh-huh. Generally, we like to take, I've done them, I've done many, many of these through the years. Uh, I have done them as high as 12%. Yeah, and I've taken them as low as five percent. You get the bigger tax deduction, the lower the payout percentage. But two things to think about, Bill, would be first you have to have something that is either appreciated in value, and you don't want to pay the capital gains tax on it. He's thinking the annuity, and if it's the annuity, then I don't know if this would be possible, but you can do life, maybe uh, twenty years. Yes, go into the children's the, level. It gets complicated, you, but can be very quickly simplified. Um, what, I th- yeah, what Deborah's saying is that when we have a client who's in their 80s or 80 years old or 70s, then the period of the trust that we set up, we generally think it should go longer than just for life because there's you can, you can go as long as 20 years uh-huh. before the charity gets anything. Yes. And that gives income all the way past the first generation's death to the second generation and then goes to the charity. And what we like to do, we like the charity to be a family foundation. Well, we're thinking about the church. And the church is an excellent option. Uh, There are ways to make it a foundation that pays the church forever or there are ways to make it lump sum. Uh, Are Are you wanting to increase the monthly income for you and your wife? Not necessarily, no. We, we are comfortable the way we are now. Then you would want the largest tax deduction. Basically, yes. The, the largest tax deduction is on the lower payout. So you set a 5% payout. The IRS will not let you go below 5%. But if you uh-huh. set a 5% payout and you give 300000 to the charitable trust, you could probably get something as close to uh, maybe seventy, eighty thousand dollars of of deduction on three hundred. Yeah, yeah. What did you? How much was the investment in the in the annuity? Well, a little over uh, three hundred. That's how much you invested. Yes. Okay. When did you buy it? Two years ago. Okay, so it hasn't got a lot of appreciation. Now, well, I, uh, about eight percent. Okay. No, I would. Uh, yeah, I would love to meet with you, Bill. I think that if you go ahead and call my office, I'll be happy to schedule a meeting to meet with you and go over all aspects of your financial plan, including your estate and your taxes. Sir, thank you very much for your advice. Thank you for calling. Have a wonderful week, Bill. Remember, your financial future is at stake. been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com. And listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF.